to the Sunday Service Podcast from St Nicholas Beclue Parish Church. This Sunday Service Podcast is based on the service on Palm Sunday. Most of the service consisted of a reading of the account of Jesus' Passion, as told by St Luke. In St Nicholas Beclue, we feel that it is important that we read this story every year. Without the death of Jesus, his resurrection, which we celebrate at Easter, makes no sense. Let us pray. Gracious God, as in this holy week, strengthen us to move beyond the parade of palms and to follow Jesus into the way of the cross, that, united with him and all the faithful, we may one day enter through the gates of righteousness into the eternal city, the new Jerusalem, where we may praise you with Christ and the Holy Spirit forever. Amen. The prophet Zechariah declared, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. On a spring day in 30 AD, two processions entered Jerusalem. The Passover was fast approaching. It was always a time of heightened tension. There was always the likelihood of trouble. For the Roman governor, Pilate, it meant an unwelcome and tiresome journey. For most of the year he lived on the coast, but at Passover he had to be in Jerusalem with his soldiers to take charge, to keep order. His procession up from the coast was an exercise in the projection of imperial power. He rode on a war horse. The shields and swords, the armour and the spears of his soldiers gleamed in the sunlight. The steady march of hundreds of feet beat out a message of might and domination. His procession, watched by the people of Jerusalem, some awed, some maybe excited, some sullen, some resentful, said clearly, I, Pilate, Roman governor of Idumea, Judea and Samaria, am in charge. But on the other side of the city, coming from near Bethphage and Bethany, another procession was forming. Instead of a war horse, this rider was mounted on a donkey, an animal of peace. Instead of soldiers, this rider was accompanied by people waving palm branches, and laying their cloaks on the ground as a kind of carpet. This rider was Jesus, and he knew what he was doing. He was mimicking and subverting the procession arriving at the same time on the other side of the city. It was an act of deliberate provocation. This podcast is about the passion of Jesus Christ. It's about both senses of the word passion, Jesus had two passions. One was the passion of his suffering, from the Latin noun passio, meaning suffering. The other was his passion for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of justice and peace which he came to inaugurate. It was to be this passion which was to lead to his suffering and death. His entry into Jerusalem in this manner at this time was an act of provocation. He rode into the city to challenge the kingdom, the empire, embodied by Pilate. 
It was a challenge that could not be ignored. This is how Luke tells the story. Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he'd come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. It certainly looks like a deliberate act of provocation, rather than an act of spontaneous, popular adulation which came out of nowhere and just as quickly disappeared. The people of Jerusalem may have watched, but it was the multitude of disciples that made the noise who put on the spectacle. Here was a peasant rabble, armed only with palm branches, led by the Prince of Peace, come to challenge and overthrow the old order. As we read on in Luke's Gospel, we come to the story of the Last Supper. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper is about self-giving, about sharing power. When Jesus said to them, take this cup and divide it among yourselves, he was sharing himself and his and our Heavenly Father with his disciples. In the sacrament, God becomes one with us and we become one with God, not equal to God, of course, but sparked and infused with the divine. At that table, he's overturning the domination of the many by the few. Luke takes up the story. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me 
and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another which one of them it could be that would do this. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come to the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief, and he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I'm not. Then about an hour later, another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is that that struck you? They kept heaping many other insults on him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together, and they brought him to their council. They said, 
If you are the Messiah, tell us. He replied, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. All of them asked, Are you then the Son of God? He said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee where he began even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some signs. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence, and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged, and release him. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city, and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over 
as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people following him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right hand and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and the darkness came over the whole land until about three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. Now, there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, who, though a member of the council, had not agreed to their plan and action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea, and he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate, and asked for the body of Jesus. 
Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb, where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Was the motet by Heinrich Schütz, Ere sei dir Christe. Why did Jesus die? He died because he made enemies. He stood for values, the values of the kingdom of God, which were at odds with the values of the world. 
He stood for peace in a world which far too often seeks solutions in conflict, never learning the lesson that conflict just leads to more and worse injustice and suffering. He stood for equity in a world which was and is profoundly unequal, and showing those who had nothing, no wealth, no power, that this was not what God ordained, as they had been told by those who did have wealth and power, constituted too great a threat to the privileged. He stood for justice in a world where justice is denied. That's why Jesus died. He was too great a threat to the established powers. He confronted them, he provoked them, and they hit back hard. Those who follow Jesus need to know and remember why he died. Following him is not just about being thankful that he has taken away our sins. It's about examining our life to see which side we are really on. Do we live lives fired with his passion for justice? Or are we complicit in the injustice he died challenging? Let us pray. They brought the colt of a donkey to you, Lord Jesus, perhaps little knowing what you were about to do. You ask us to bring all that burdens us to you, and we do so now, perhaps little knowing how powerful you are. After throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set you upon it, as you rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. Help us to lay ourselves before you in an offering of love and of commitment to serve. As you were approaching the path down the Mount of Olives, you heard the whole multitude of the disciples begin to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen. Let us at all times join our voices with those who sing, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to you, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. But you answered them saying, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Lord, let us never leave it to the stones alone to proclaim your glory. Almighty God, maker of all, have mercy upon us. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon us. Holy Spirit, breath of life, have mercy upon us. God of heaven and earth, we give you thanks for sending us Jesus Christ in your name. Even though we profess to follow him, we confess that in times of trial we too often deny him. Forgive us and heal us, we pray. Help us to put our faith not in the princes of this world, but only in the Prince of Peace. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, crucified and risen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory for ever. Amen. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you.